I've been working away like a little busy bee all day today. Look at you go, girl. It sort of seems how I do it. Last minute. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if it works for you. What did Gretchen like... call it in the book? She calls it a marathoner and then a sprinter. So it seems yeah. to be that I'm a sprinter, but I think I might be more of a procrastinator than a sprinter. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. On today's episode, it's time for our book report. I'm excited to chat about my online pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. That book is even better than I remembered from the first time that I read it. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. I'm going to do my best to whip our guinea peg into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. I will be playing along too, and as we take on a new habit each month, we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. Peg, how's it going with your habits this month? Well, uh, just a review for those listening at home, we're making the bed, flossing the teeth and drinking more water. So the making the bed and the flossing the teeth are going really great. I'm actually, I feel like it's locked in. And uh, in terms of the flossing, one of the things that we haven't discussed, but was mentioned to me that I should try flossers. So there's these little, have you seen them before? They're these yes. little plastic things that um, you have a little piece of string attached to the plastic and you can use them to floss your teeth. And I like them and I appreciate the novelty of them. But every time I throw one away, it feels so wasteful. It's this piece of plastic that's just going in a landfill and it makes me feel guilty and terrible. So I'll finish this bag and then I'll just go back to regular floss when the bag is done. So um, it's, as for the water, it's still a challenge. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm resisting this habit making it lock in. I'm still get a challenge to get the 75 ounces in daily. Um, and I'm working on some of those strategies that we've talked about over the last couple of episodes. But the one thing that uh, I get, I guess I could say that is a positive is I've definitely locked in the habit of drinking a big glass of water before I'm allowed to have my coffee in the morning. And another thing that's been helping a lot with, my, uh, with water is to make it more interesting. I have this recipe and it's for lemon, ginger, turmeric water. And when I make it up, and drink it regularly, it tastes a bit spicy and it sort of fools me that I'm drinking water or that I'm not drinking water. It's more like a cocktail. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting the water in, but it's also got the added benefit of the anti-inflammatory effect of the turmeric, as well as the helping in digestion when I've got the lemon and the ginger as well. So it's actually kind of delicious. So I'll include a recipe in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. Ooh, I'm going to definitely try that. That sounds really good. And you can also put a little shake of cayenne if you want it to be extra spicy. Oh, yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you digging lately? This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk with each other about what podcasts we've been listening to and enjoying or what books we've been reading or what random internet hilarity we have found and we feel like you might find fun too. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we've pulled from the zeitgeist that we are loving, that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. 
Mine is a show that is on Netflix and it is like, there's so many reboots happening right now. And this is one of my favorite ones that has come out and it is Queer Eye. Now, this show used to be called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy when it was out years and years ago. Uh, the new one is called Queer Eye. And if you're not familiar with the show, the concept is that five gay men make over a straight man. That's how the show was before. The new show is still these five men, and they're all amazing. And they each have a different focus, like grooming, style, home, food, culture. They each have an area they focus on. And they help someone. Now, this time it's not just men that they're making over. They have a woman, they have a trans uh, man, and it is so good. They are so holistic in the way that they look at someone's life. It's, it's like doing an improvement project, but within a week because they address all of these different areas of their life. And it's, it's really interesting to see the transformation on the person's life. Um, and it's also, it's just a very funny show. Uh, these people are so lively. They are so warm. It's just a, it's a feel good show to watch. And, um, it, it certainly doesn't disappoint between the old version and the new version. Did you watch the old one or the new one? I think I've seen a couple of episodes of the old one here and there, but I never really was a fan, like didn't watch it regularly, but you said uh, it's on Netflix, the new one. It is. It okay. Is. I'll definitely check it out. And there's two seasons presently, and it is so worth checking out. I really... Well, especially uh, when we're into this whole improvement project, it fits right into our theme. I love it. It does. It is like a supercharged improvement project. <laughs> cool. All right. What, this is what I'm digging lately. Uh, the last few weeks uh, before we started getting ready to do this podcast, we were working and preparing and leading up to it, and I did a big overhaul of my website, and part of that overhaul involved me getting new headshots and I hadn't had any done in about 10 years and I felt nervous about it and it was a bit of a thing because I had to get my hair done and my makeup done and my nails done uh, and I had to pick a bunch of outfits to wear but then when I went into the studio with a professional photographer she made me feel comfortable and it was awesome and I got a whole bunch of really great shots and um, I think that based on my experience, it's probably a good thing for everybody to have a headshot done, even if it's with somebody they know that has a bit of an eye, even with their iPhone, to get a nice picture. We're in a world of social media. A lot of people have an online web presence. And even if you don't have a website, there's probably going to be opportunity in your life where you'll need a nice headshot of yourself to pass on for a work opportunity or a speaking engagement, or I'm sure there's lots of things that I'm not thinking of where you might need a headshot. So based on my experience of getting the headshots recently, I'm digging it enough that I want to pass it on to you to go get your headshots done. I totally agree with you on this. I had been using just, you know, kind of pictures that I had, for, say my LinkedIn profile, Twitter, those sorts of things. And I had like, I am not a skilled selfie taker at all, but I had like tried to rig one up to use as a professional photo. Uh, and recently I had an opportunity uh, with a photographer to get a headshot, like just a one quick headshot done. And it, it really is night and day, the difference of having a professional headshot. And I know for me, just even seeing my LinkedIn profile, it just, it, it ups at a level. It's just having that level of professionalism. Yeah. I and think it's, it's fun too. It's well so spent. fun because you're fancy. You're like a model. <laughs> Yours, your pictures are gorgeous. And you certainly had a full on photo shoot. Mine was about the level of formality or excitement as like your, um, 
getting your passport photo taken. Like it was quick, but you were allowed to smile in this one though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That was the nice part. Cool. Well, I'll link to my photographer's website in the show notes and I'll put a few of the pics uh, that she took on Instagram if if anybody wants to see them. They're gorgeous. Thank you, Jenny. All right. Now it's time for what we've all been waiting for. It's time for our book report. So I'm really excited to dig into our book of the month because we have already referenced it so much in the past few episodes, and I'm sure we will continue our discussions of creating habits in the future. Uh, We'll continue to revisit this book. It's sort of our habits Bible. And of course, this book is Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. She actually uh, made discussion of her book fairly easy because she includes some book club or reading group questions in the back of the book because she is so fantastic. So Jenny and I are going to go through the questions and our answers should give you some insights into some of what Gretchen discusses in the book. And hopefully they will also inspire you to take on some new healthy habits. And they may also inspire you to read the book if you haven't done so already. Gretchen's so great. I love that she has the questions. That's just like the level of excellence she's operating at that she, because she talks about that, about how she's in several book clubs. So I like that she was ready with those questions. I know, it's great. The first question that she had was, if you could magically, effortlessly change a few habits, which habits would you pick and why? For me, uh, I would say, I think it always comes back to this for me with the exercise thing, because this is the one that I struggle with the most, because admittedly, I'm not someone that gets a ton of enjoyment out of exercise. So I would say I would like some sort of exercise routine that I enjoy doing, And that helps me tone and strengthen and it's easy to keep up with. It's just exercises that thing that slips for me because I just don't enjoy it. So that's mine. How about for you? Uh, Well, if it was magic and effortless, I'd like to exercise every day and get super strong and super flexible. And I love to exercise, but I, as we'll learn in a minute, need a little bit more accountability. And so often exercise is one of those things that slips for me, not because I'm not enjoying it, but because for whatever reason, the expectation that I've put out there is not, I'm not keeping myself accountable to the exercise. So if it was magic and effortless, then I don't need accountability and I'll just do all the exercise and get super strong. It's also, uh, I think probably if it was magic and effortless, I'd eat more of the good stuff and avoid some of the indulgences that are maybe not so healthy. So true. So true. Second question. Unlike most habit formation experts, Gretchen Rubin emphasizes that the most important step in changing a habit is knowing yourself. Do you agree? Did reading better than before allow you to see yourself more clearly? I, I think that I totally agree with this statement. I think that knowing yourself is the most important. You can't just have a one size fits all solution. And I think knowing yourself and what your tendency is, is important. Uh, after I had listened to the book before and then, uh, listening to it again and looking at the paper version, I definitely see myself more clearly. And I think for me, it was helpful because I tend to have a similar personality to Gretchen. So it was easy for me to resonate with some of the things, the personal experiences she was sharing. How about you? Well, Gretchen's encouragement to know yourself better. Um, she encourages people. Plus she also really emphasizes this and she makes it the most important piece. So that's part of the reason why we had the inspiration to include the segment in our podcast, who are you anyway? It was, you know, inspired by Gretchen, which of course, as I think maybe anybody who's been listening to this for any period of time will understand that (laughs) she's, she's uh, pretty fantastic. She is. She is. Anyways, it's easy to assume that just because you see the world in a certain way 
or just because you do things in a certain way, that's how everybody else does it or sees it. And that's not the case. And so knowing yourself allows you, number one, to put yourself in a space where you're going to do the stuff you need to do for you. But then it also potentially, hopefully, it will allow you to see that other people do it in a different way and they're just as successful doing it in their way. For sure. I agree. So reading this book again has really helped me to see myself more clearly and to understand why I do and in my case often don't do certain things. So when Jenny and I get into discussions about habits as we prepare for these podcast episodes, it's also cool for us to notice the differences in how we see a problem or a challenge because it's different and that allows for better discussion, I think. So we'll we'll definitely continue to talk about this regularly. And as we move forward uh, in our new monthly challenges that will be upcoming, we will often or always have that segment, Who Are You Anyway?, as we explore uh, new habits. So the next question, are you, oh, here we go, into the four tendencies. Are you an upholder, (laughs) a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel? Did the four tendencies help you to gain a better understanding of your patterns of habit formation? So before we answer this question, let's do a rundown for the listeners on what these four tendencies are. Gretchen has created this framework, which has to do with the way that a person responds to expectations. Outer expectations are expectations that others put on us, like meeting a work deadline. Inner expectations are ones that we place on ourselves such as keeping a New Year's resolution. Depending on a person's response to outer and inner expectation, that person falls into one of four distinct types that we are going to walk you through. The first one is upholders. And these, uh, this tendency responds readily to both outer expectations and inner expectations. These people are like unicorns. They are amazing. They just get it done. They wake up and they think what's on the schedule and the, and the to-do list today. And then they just do it. It's amazing. And I think that everybody uh, maybe knows from what we've discussed already, but Gretchen is an upholder and so is Jenny. I think Gretchen is a next level upholder. Maybe there's degrees of upholder. (laughs) She's like the true unicorn upholder. She really is. The next one is questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They meet an expectation only if they believe it's justified. So in effect, they only respond to inner expectations. They are motivated by reason, logic, and fairness. A good example of a questioner is someone who does hours of research before they purchase anything. They wake up and think, what needs to get done today and why? And why and why and why? Mm-hmm. All right. The third one is obligers. They respond readily to outer expectations, but struggle to meet inner expectations. This is the most common of the tendencies. And Gretchen says that because they go to great lengths to meet their responsibilities, they make terrific colleagues, family members, and friends. They wake up and they think, what must I do today? And I am an obliger. And I think, um, like this one, I think that we all have uh, a combination of these two. So I'm sure people as they're listening to this will relate to more than one of these, which we'll touch on as well. Sure. The last one is rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They choose to act from a sense of choice and of freedom. They wake up and think, what do I want to do today? They resist control, even self-control, and enjoy breaking the rules. This tendency is about identity and authenticity. If I feel like it, I do it. If not, later. 
<laughs> Obligers and questioners are the most common tendencies, and upholders and rebels are relatively rare. Gretchen says that people can have characteristics of another tendency, but she hasn't met someone yet who doesn't have one of these four tendencies as their core tendency. So this is what you were just alluding to. Mm -hmm. So when I first heard about the four tendencies, I wasn't sure which one I fit into. I was identifying a little bit with questioner, a little bit with rebel. I knew I definitely wasn't an upholder. And uh, as time has gone on and as I've read more of the book and uh, been exposed to some more of Gretchen's ideas through her podcast, it's clear ultimately that I'm an obliger. I'm good at getting things done if there's an outer expectation like a deadline or another person poking me with a stick, but I often struggle with those habits that require me just to rely on me. For sure. And I'm definitely, I, I can see a combination. I'm say, I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent an upholder. I think I'm most like I am I'm quite upholdy, but I would say I have some <laughs> obliger tendencies as well. But I, I will admit that I, when I get something in my head, I stick to it and I don't have, I don't rely on outer. I just can have that inner. So that's me. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's such an eye opener. I think you, you just assume that everybody's like you and reading about this helps you realize like, oh, we all have different ways of, of going about these things. So I think it helps you work better with others as well. Definitely. You can, if you can understand what somebody else's tendency is, it will help you to understand what they need in order to meet expectations. So it can be very helpful to know this. So this book, Better Than Before, Gretchen goes into some of these tenants or all of these tendencies and gives you an introduction. She also has an entire other book that's just about the tendencies and it's titled The Four Tendencies. So if you find this intriguing at all, or if you want to know more, that's what I would recommend is go to her next book, which is called The Four Tendencies. Nice. All right. The next question is, what steps might you take to strengthen your foundation? So Gretchen says that you'll have an easier time fostering good habits if your foundation is strong. So let's explore what she means by foundation. Foundational habits are those that most directly strengthen self-control. These habits serve as the foundation for forming other good habits. They protect us from getting so physically taxed or mentally frazzled that we can't manage ourselves. So the foundational fa habits are number one, sleep. Number two, move. Number three, eat and drink right. And number four, unclutter. According to Gretchen, these foundational habits tend to reinforce each other. For instance, exercise helps people sleep and sleep helps people do everything better. So these are a good place to start if you want overall better habits. So I would say for me, my sleep is pretty good. I like to sleep and I'm able to sleep a lot of hours. So I usually feel re well rested. I'm sure that there's some things I could work on. Uh, move is an ongoing project. We will definitely be exploring that one in one of our upcoming monthly challenges because I want to lock it in with a bit more uh, regularity and Jenny, you do as well. So that one's definitely mm. going to be coming up. And then eat and drink right. I'm pretty good here, but could still use some fine tuning. I tend to get a bit lax here during the summer months, especially when it's drink and snack by the pool season. And unclutter is one that I've been really paying attention to in 2018. I'm focused a lot on the concept of what Gretchen calls outer order equals inner calm. So in May, I played the men's game, which was somewhat life altering. And I know that this is something that uh, is basically what Jenny likes to do for fun every day of the year. So she might give you a, a few more details, but uh, you can also check out the details of my decluttering experiment when I did the men's game by going to drpeggymalone.com forward slash men's game. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, come on. I think that we had this discussion where I said, whatever is the opposite condition of a hoarder is the problem that I have. Yeah, that's what you have. You're afflicted. I love the men's game. I think that it's a great way to get rid of a lot of things quickly. So the men's game is where day one, you get rid of one thing, day two, two things, and you it builds throughout the whole month. So I had done this last year and documented it through Twitter, and it was a riot because it really makes you look at everything. So for me, I feel like in terms of looking at those foundational habits, I think the unclutter one is one that I've got. The other ones, the other ones are all a bit more of an issue for me. Um, sleep. I feel like for the most part, I get a good sleep. Um, I do tend to once in a while stay up late if I'm binging on a good TV show and I can't stop watching it move. Yeah. We've discussed this This is a bit of an issue for me as well. Um, eating and drinking, right. I find, you know what, I'm pretty good through the week. The weekends are where I can slip a little bit, but what I try to do is through the week, keep up good habits. And it's a little bit easier because you have more of a routine during that time. But, um, yeah, I know what you mean about the summer by the pool time that can make it tricky. Definitely. Uh, well, and yes. then, then this is going to be a loophole, which we're going to talk about <laughs> later. But it's the summer. Why don't we just have a good time? Let's have some drinks by the pool. So yes. that's a loophole I'm falling into, which, you know, when I say the word loophole, wait a couple of questions. We'll get there. Okay. Sounds good. Next question is number five. Have you ever found it easier to form a habit, good or bad, when you were starting something new, when you were taking first steps, when you had a clean slate? So a clean slate can be a new year, new month, new job, the beginning or end of a relationship, or move to a new house or a new place. It could also be as simple as a clean slate after you cleaned out the fridge, put new paint on the walls, uh, the start of a month, like fresh start, day one. So a lot of people I know when they're starting to eat well, they'll clean out their fridge. And that's a good way to kind of reset. And when I was talking about Queer Eye, I think that that's what Queer Eye does so well is they give everybody uh, that's on that show a clean slate to start from uh, and kind of reset their life. So I think that it's definitely easier to form a habit this way. I I like I did these challenges every month uh, back in 2016 and and the first of the month, like literally day one, January one, February one, it felt like a fresh start. So uh, yes, I think it's easier to form a habit when you're starting something new. Okay. Uh, I'm hopeful and optimistic at the beginning of a new year and a new month. I'm definitely that way for sure. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's easier because I still have this need for a lot of external accountability. So I love the idea of new habits with a clean slate. I still don't Mm -hmm. know if this one for me is the thing that's going to lock in my habits. So yes, I'm optimistic at the beginning, but I'm definitely going to need some other strategies to keep me rocking once I get started. That's why you've got me as your pusher now. Oh, I love you. You're my pusher. Thank you. <laughs> I like it because I don't have to do it. I can just push you. <laughs> no, you're going to have to do it too. But then you just keep yourself Dang accountable because you're in a polder. It's amazing. Oh, we'll see. Number six, have you ever been hit by a lightning bolt so that your habits changed overnight? What form did it take? Were you surprised by how quickly your habits altered? Uh, for me, I think we've all, I don't know, maybe not, but I've definitely witnessed people who have maybe had some sort of a medical scare that forced them to change a habit quickly. Um, I've definitely had a couple times where, uh, you know, if I'm 
looking for inspiration, perhaps to lose weight, I'll see a friend that has lost weight. And that will be encouraging for me to kind of have a, have a start at that. And that can be a lightning bolt to go, Oh yeah, you know, I see that someone can do it and it'll make me want to, it'll inspire me to, um, do the same. How about you? I haven't personally experienced the lightning bolt. I tend to take a while to get used to the idea of taking on a new habit. So I first start bit with thinking about thinking about it. And then I move <laughs> on to just thinking about it. And then after that, then I get after it. So it takes me a while. So lightning bolt is not really my style. I'm not ruling it out that that might happen to me at some point, but so far I haven't had the lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. So, but that said, I have seen this a lot with my patients, just like you mentioned, when they find out about an unexpected diagnosis, for example, or it often happens when people are having a baby, they will make intense, crazy lightning bolt, like I'm changing all habits starting right now. And that can be for a woman who's just found out she's pregnant, but also for um, a man who knows that he's going to be having a baby soon. It's I've seen it in both. And yes. uh, it's kind of cool that you take on this responsibility of this little human and it makes you change your habits immediately. For sure. I've seen that with a lot of people, you know, lifelong smokers and they get pregnant and in an instant they can quit. Yeah. It's cool. It's pretty amazing. All right. Uh, Gretchen argues that for many people, abstaining is easier than being moderate, which strikes some people as counterintuitive. Are you an abstainer, a moderator or neither? We discussed this question last week uh, in our Who Are You Anyway? And um, I'm an abstainer. So moderation is a little bit too much of a slippery slope for me. Right with you on that. I'm 100% an abstainer. If you want to know a little bit more about the abstainer versus moderator, check out uh, episode three and you can hear more of our stories there. Number eight, convenience and inconvenience are two of the most familiar and powerful strategies for habit formation. How have you used convenience or inconvenience to shape your habits? So this is one for me that I've talked about before, but putting that bottle of water on my nightstand to drink in the morning, if it's not there, I'm far less likely to drink water in the morning. The same goes for the daily uh, green smoothies. If I don't make them the day before, I'm definitely not as likely to have them when I wake up in the morning uh, as my breakfast. So making that convenient for me definitely is much easier. All right. The strategy of convenience has been helping me as well when I've been trying to get more water in for this month's challenge. So I have that glass of water in the bathroom by the sink and I'm going to drink it before I have my coffee. I'm also using the strategy of convenience when so that I'll be much more likely to go to the gym. In the evening before bed, I pack all my bags, my water bottles are filled, my lunch is ready to go, and my workout clothes are by my bed so that when I wake up in the morning, all I have to do is get my workout clothes on and go. If I think about it too much or if it seems inconvenient in the morning because I haven't done all that preparation, I'm way less likely to go. So there is something powerful about making a habit that you want to create in your life as convenient as possible. I will just say on the inconvenience thing as well, something that I do is we have a, you know, like a pantry where we store our food. I put everything that I don't want to eat on the top shelf because I'm five, two. You have to get a chair to get it. Right. Or or a ladder. I don't, I don't keep a stool. Like I have, I'll admit I have quite a few stools in my house because I'm short but I do not keep one in the pantry because I know everything that's a bad idea is on the top shelf. That's a great idea. You're using the the strategy of inconvenience to your benefit. It's also a great way to see a short person hopping for treats. (laughs) Amazing. Like a dog. (laughs) 
All right. In reading the chapter on loophole spotting, did any category sound particularly familiar? What forms do your loopholes take? So as promised earlier in this episode, we are now talking about loopholes. I'm guilty of the false choice loophole. And this is where you have two activities that are in your mind. Sorry, you have two activities that are in your mind. They are in opposition as though you must make an either or decision when in fact the two aren't necessarily in conflict. So examples of this are, I'm so busy, I'll organize my photos and go through my emails when things calm down. Or, I haven't been exercising because I have too much work to do on my website. And I'm definitely guilty of those things. I'm also guilty sometimes of the tomorrow loophole, where now doesn't matter because we are going to do good habits tomorrow. So the examples of this are, I'll stretch tomorrow when I have more time. I'll plan to make and eat a good dinner tomorrow, and today I'll order a pizza. I have definitely said both of those things before. (laughs) Oh, that makes me laugh. Another one that I thought of uh, in regards to loopholes was I have a friend who uh, likes to go and get manicures, which is great. But to get through her guilt of the spending money on the manicures, she says to herself, well, you know what? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. And this has become a joke that we make about little craft, like say craft supplies, those like manicures, like little indulgences is that, you know, you don't do any of these bad things. So it's okay to have this little indulgence. And I just think it's so funny that at 37, (laughs) we still put in, I don't do drugs. Like this is a risk for us. So I think that that's really funny. And I, this is another one that, so I have this thing where I, I try to not eat desserts. And this is something that I'm going to admit is if a random single chocolate chip falls off of my son's granola bar, I will eat it even if it falls off the ground because it's just one. And it was just something that was just, I was just going to throw it in the garbage. And what's it matter? I know that's so embarrassing and ridiculous, but that's just one of those weird things I do. Like it'll fall on the couch and I'll be like, Oh, I'll just eat that little loophole there. Somehow getting (laughs) through that. My friend's loophole of the, I don't smoke. I don't drink this whole, like I don't spend money on all of these bad things. So it's okay to give myself this indulgence is an example of the moral licensing loophole where we give ourselves permission to do something bad because we've been quote, unquote, good. And the one chocolate chip makes me guilty of the, this doesn't count loophole where we tell ourselves that for some reason, this circumstance doesn't count. So that leads into the next question that Gretchen has. Number 10, what are some of your treats, both healthy and unhealthy? Ever since I gave up Diet Pepsi, I have really enjoyed sparkling water as something with a little bit of carbonation. So for me, one of my treats is having uh, sparkling water with lime. I really like that. And I think that it's, I don't think it's a bad habit to have of a little treat. An unhealthy treat, I would say, is chips from the vending machine at work. Sometimes I will reward myself with some chips. I got to admit, I did this today. It wasn't great. Um, but yeah, it's right there. I'm walking by it all the time. So that's, that's not a great, a great treat, but I do it. But they're probably delicious. They are so good. So (laughs) good. And I think it's the small bag, you know, it's a limited thing. All right. Ah, dang. Now I'm thinking about those chips. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let me distract you with my Thank healthy you. treat. And it is avocado anything. I love an avocado. So that's my healthy treat. And my unhealthy treat is only unhealthy depending on who you ask. And that's red wine. <laughs> Because there, you know, we talk about finding yourself in an echo chamber and finding the confirmation bias of whatever information it is that you're looking for to support your opinion. There's lots of people that say red wine's like better for you than exercising. So I don't know if I'll go that far, but uh, red wine is definitely something that's a treat for me. Cool. All right. People exert enormous influence over each other's habits. Have you ever picked up a habit from someone else? This is uh, question 11. So this, they say that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So even if you've never consciously thought about this, it's likely that there are similarities between you and the people that you hang out with regularly. So think about exercise, eating and drinking habits, even weight and the way that you spend or save money. If you like your people and your habits, carry on. If you look around and realize that you want to take on some habits that are different from those closest to you, it may be time to spend less time with those people as you create new healthy habits. I would say yes to this for both good and potentially bad habits. So I definitely exercise more when I'm hanging out with my gym friends because they're my gym friends and I hang out with them when I'm exercising at the gym. And I tend to drink more alcohol in the summer months when we are hanging out with our neighbors which is super fun, but potentially also worth noticing because different people have different influence on your habits. Yeah, that's so true. I would notice that for sure in regards to the food thing. I know when I'm around people who are eating better, I will also eat better. And sometimes it's pretty easy to, you know, at work, if there's something that everybody's having and maybe the group that you're around tends to have certain things. It definitely can be uncomfortable to go against the grain. Um, I would say that in terms of I've definitely picked up eating better from someone else before when you're spending time around uh, somebody else. I've, I've definitely had that happen. All right, Jenny, take us into our very last question, number 12. This is it, numero 12. If you could change a habit of someone close to you, what habit would you choose? Can you think of a way of ways to help that person change a habit? Uh, yikes, yikes, <laughs> yikes. I think that this is a very dangerous question. Um, and it's not great to try and change others. And it is even more so awkward to publicly announce others bad habits. So I think I'm not going to pick one because I don't want to, I don't want to call anybody out publicly. And I, I don't think it's a great idea. Like I think it has to be their idea. I agree with you. What I think you that think? most people probably in their deepest thoughts about the people that are closest to them, they wish that they potentially had some different or better habits, but you really can only focus on yourself. So if you focus on yourself and you focus on your own habits, it's possible that your partner or your other people that are close to you will be inspired and create their, no their own new healthy habits because they have that same close people effect, just like we were talking about the people that you spend the most time with, you're more likely to pick up their habits. So instead of trying to change the people around you and wishing that their habits were better, focus on your own habits. And it's likely just based on what Gretchen is talking about. Statistically, if they hang out with you the most, then maybe their habits will start to catch on to what you're doing. One of the quotes that the minimalists say about this that I like, um, 
so the minimalists, they have a podcast and a website. And one of the quotes that they frequently say is, if you want to change the people around you, change the people around you. Oh, that's a good one. And it takes you a minute to kind of get it, but it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Good one. Good one. (laughs) All right. Now it's time for the segment that we like to call You Win or You Learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. This week, I've got the win. I mentioned I've been doing a lot of work to overhaul my website. I'm doing a lot of the technical work myself, which is not really my expertise. And I do like it, but occasionally I run into a problem or a challenge that makes my head spin. And in the past, my usual MO would be to freak out and then procrastinate for days and avoid trying to deal with it because I just didn't know what to do. And then that would take me forever to sort it all out. Or it would remain like a flashing light on my to-do list. So I would only usually in a rush sort it out when there was a fast approaching deadline, which is how I roll. So this past week during one of those challenging moments, instead of losing my mind, I took a breath and I remained patient and I asked for help in a forum, which I don't like to do, but I did. And then I also went on the live chat chat at my web host. And then I figured out this technical piece that would have never been in my skill set in the past. And I felt so awesome afterwards. I think partly because I solved the problem, but also because I was accountable to myself to figure it out and not to a particular deadline. So it was an obliger aspiring to be an upholder win. Good for you. That's a really good one. Thank you. Thank you. I feel with my learns, like I'm a bit of a broken record because I feel like I keep learning the same lessons over and over again. And a lot of it, I think for me has been around the mornings. I've been really struggling with getting out of bed in the morning. And the first little part of my morning I find is so important in terms of habits. What I am striving to do is wake up. I do five minutes in my journal. I do a quick meditation and I've also been doing a quick, um, couple of exercises before I leave my bedroom I have, uh, been turning off my alarm in my sleep because I'm not putting it far away enough. Use the power of inconvenience. I know, I know. And I know these things that I'm not doing them. So that, that's my learn is that if I actually want to do this, I feel so much better when I get up a little bit earlier and I have a little bit of that time to kind of get my head in a, in a good space. And when I sleep in and I wake up feeling already behind I, yeah. So yeah, that's my learn. The good news about this, Jenny, is that there is another day and another week and you can get back (laughs) after it and try again. Thanks, Peg. That makes me feel better. You got this, girl. All right. Next week, can you believe that we are already almost at the end of our first month of doing this podcast? Next week, we're going to wrap up our first month's challenge and then we're going to lay out the challenge for the next month. We hope that you're going to join us. 
And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Remember, after our discussion of the book Better Than Before, let us know if you read it and what you thought, and then also let us know which of Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies you fall into. Email us or send us a voice memo at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts if you haven't already. We would love to connect on the socials. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone, and Jenny is on Twitter at Jake We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. Seems like you definitely have self-control more mastered than the average person. And that is something to be celebrated, not to worry about other people judging you for. Yeah. In my humble opinion. Well, I appreciate that because I'm like, I don't want it to be like a thing where I'm like, yeah, I've actually got all this figured out because I definitely don't. I don't want to make it sound like that because I definitely don't.